0: Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, we welcome back a world leader in intermittent fasting research, Cynthia Thurlow.
1: You're really not meant to eat all that frequently. And there's all these really cool things that happen in the body when you're not eating and I think far too many people are fearful. You know, they're anxious, they get concerned, they get scared, they get frightened about what that process of not eating is gonna feel like. And when they realize how good they feel, they're like, heck, why didn't I do this earlier? Like, what Mm -hmm. were they so fearful of?
0: I'm a certified functional health practitioner who's on a mission to educate 1 billion people. I've been obese for most of my life. From rock bottom to the top of the mountain, I am passionate about studying ancient healing strategies like fasting and the ketogenic diet and curating this information on the KetoCamp podcast. My goal is to bring you the thought leaders in this space. My name is Ben Azadi and I wanna thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper. Benazotti here, host of the Keto Camp podcast, best selling author of Keto Flex. In today's episode, we had so much fun with Cynthia Thurlow. Cynthia Thurlow has been on the podcast before, episode 153, where we talked about tips for achieving youthful skin, why breakfast is the dumbest meal of the day, and how your cells are hardwired to practice fasting. In today's conversation, we dive deep into intermittent fasting. We talk about The best ways to break a fast. What exactly does break your fast? Does coffee break a fast? Supplements break a fast? Some of the fasting mistakes that we could avoid, the pitfalls out there. Why you aren't losing weight with fasting and how to overcome plateaus and stalls. Best supplements that support fasting. Biohacking devices for health. We get into the continuous glucose monitor or CGM. Cynthia and I both agree that a CGM is one of the best devices you can have to really see if your fasting and eating schedule in life in general is working for you or against you. So if you want to really learn about fasting and how to take it to a new level, this is going to be the episode for you. Before I bring Cynthia on the podcast, I want to take a minute here to get to the Apple Podcast rating and review of the day. This is a five-star review from Ducky Flap. I love the name. It's funny. (laughs) Titled, informative and positive. Love these podcasts. So informative and interesting. Just started keto a month ago and bought Ben's book, Keto Flex, in conjunction with his podcast. And it's really helped me and my wife in making it to this incredible state of energy and health. I have just discontinued the asthma inhaler that I've been on for years. Thank you, Ben. That is incredible. Your story of getting off the inhaler for asthma that you've been on for years by following these ancient healing strategies is so inspiring. I hope somebody listening out there who might have asthma or some underlying condition, I hope you're hearing this. I hope you're hearing how amazing keto and fasting and these ancient healing strategies, what they can do for your health. Congratulations to you for leaving that review, getting the results. I'm glad you're reading the book and I'm glad your body is healing. If you have not left the Keto Camp podcast, a rating or a review yet on Apple Podcast please do so today. And when you leave that rating and review, take a screenshot of it and send that screenshot to support at ketocamp.com. And what we'll do, we'll give you a downloadable link for my KetoFlex cookbook for free. The KetoFlex cookbook retails for $21. You'll get it free just for leaving a rating and review of the show. So please do so right now. Send that over to support at ketocamp.com. Coming up very soon, I'm gonna be hosting a free online web class, which is gonna dive deep into my four pillars for achieving tremendous success with keto and fasting. On this webinar, I'm gonna outline some beginner strategies, how to get into ketosis, the importance of electrolytes, the 2222 rule, how to test glucose and ketones, and I'm going to give you some advanced strategies for those who have been doing keto for some time and wanna break a stall or just take it to a new level. We're also going to deep dive into fasting, the history of fasting, my three favorite fasting schedules, how to break a fast the right way versus the wrong way, and so much more. This is a free online masterclass that you could get registered for free right now by heading to ketosismasterclass.com. For those who attend the webinar, you're going to get some free gifts of downloadable guides to help you along your journey. Head to ketosismasterclass.com, check it out, and hopefully you head there in time because we do have a limited capacity of how many people we could get on the webinar, head to ketosismasterclass.com. I always say structure trumps intention. You could have all the best intentions in the world, but if you don't have the structure in place, it's gonna be very difficult to get the amazing keto and fasting results that you want. If you are on the go traveling and you don't wanna think about What can you eat to help you feel satisfied and to help you continue getting results on your keto journey? For me, my structure when I'm on the go, when I'm traveling, and when I wanna have something nearby that's a healthy snack, my go-to is Paleo Valley's Beef Sticks. Paleo Valley Beef Sticks are the perfect gut-friendly, clean protein snack for on the go. And if you have children, this is one of the best things to give your kids. These beef sticks are 100% grass-fed and finished by farmers right here in the united states they contain naturally occurring probiotics which helps increase the diversity in your gut it contains organic spices it has high concentrations of omega-3 fatty acids elevated levels of conjugated linoleic acid which we know it's an antioxidant and also could enhance your body's ability to burn fat it contains vitamins and minerals elevated concentrations of glutathione which is your body's master antioxidant and it's good for the environment. They have flavors that range from original to garlic summer sausage, regular summer sausage, jalapeno, teriyaki, and they also have turkey sticks available as well. They taste so good that I usually go through three or four, and I think I might set the record for eating almost 10 Paleo Valley beef sticks. Maybe somebody out there has eaten more than me in one sitting. You know, me and my fiance, Natasha, we're always fighting over these beef sticks in our house. We go into the pantry and I hear her unwrapping it and I'm like, hey, are you eating one of my beef sticks? (laughs) They are delicious. And since you are a avid listener of the Keto Camp podcast, we worked out an exclusive deal for you to get 15% off your entire order of Paleo Valley products. All you need to do is head to paleovalley.com, use Ben15, 15, Ben15 15 at checkout to get 15% off. That is paleovalley.com, Ben15 at checkout. Okay, let's dive deep with the brilliant Cynthia Thurlow. Cynthia Thurlow is a Western medicine trained nurse practitioner and functional nutritionist who is passionate about female hormonal health. She believes that the inherent power of food and nutrition can be your greatest asset to your health and wellness journey. Cynthia Thurlow has an amazing TEDx talk on YouTube that has over 8 million views on the benefits of intermittent fasting. So here is Cynthia Thurlow. Hello.
1: Thank you for that wonderful introduction. It's a pleasure to be back and always a pleasure to connect with you.
0: It's always a pleasure. This is your second time on the show. You're actually on episode 153, where we talked about why breakfast is the dumbest meal of the day, how we are designed to go through periods of fasting and feasting, and some tips for achieving youthful skin. Today's episode, we're going to focus it on fasting, fasting mistakes, fasting supplements, fasting biohacks, and some cool gadgets and devices you've been using. So I want to start right here, Cynthia. Why do you love fasting so much? Why are you thought of as the world leader in fasting, specifically fasting for women? Why do you love it so much?
1: Oh, goodness. I mean, I love it because it allows people to have some control over their bodies. I I think in so many ways, there are so many things going on in our lives that we feel are uncontrollable. And for many people, eating less often is a way to harness the intrinsic healing properties of the body, allow for more digestion and a lot of anti-aging benefits. And so I I think people come to intermittent fasting out of curiosity about body composition and weight loss. And then I feel as if people stay for all the other benefits. But having worked in medicine for over 20 years, I can tell you that I don't think I found anything quite as powerful. And, And to me, to not have to write a prescription, to not have to send someone for a test or a study, and to be able to teach them a strategy that they can use throughout their lifetime, or be able to teach to their family and their loved ones. Um, It just propagates. And, uh, you know, you can't put a price tag on, you know, health and resiliency. And I think we're really entering a time where the outliers are really standing out. You know, we're coming out hopefully out of this pandemic wiser, stronger, healthier. And one of the ways that we can do that is to not buy into the concept that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And we have to eat frequently to stoke our metabolism and all other nonsense that we literally have been fed since we were children. Uh, So much of what we were taught is just wrong, totally wrong.
0: Yeah. And there's a lot of money to be made by falling into that agenda of you got to eat every two to three hours. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Tony the Tiger says it's great. <laughs> and a lot of dietitians and nutritionists still speak that language. So I know that fasting was a very powerful tool for you when you went through a health scare and you shared it on the previous podcast, but I'd love for you to share briefly today with what fasting did for you when you had those challenges with your health
1: yeah so in 2019 i had gone on the very first trip with my husband his very first business trip i was able to accompany him on because my mom had retired and uh came back from hawaii you know tough life right came back from (laughs) hawaii and i thought i got food poisoning well i didn't actually get food poisoning i ended up having a ruptured appendix with a slew of complications spent 13 days in the hospital lost 15 pounds looked like an emaciated waif i didn't look healthy at all but the one thing that my surgeon kept saying over and over and over again, if you were the average 40 something in the United States, I'm not sure you would have made it. You know, if you were diabetic and obese and hypertensive and you know just had a slew of medical problems, I'm not sure you would have pulled through this hospitalization. So I do credit intermittent fasting on the back end for helping me stay metabolically flexible and very healthy and resilient. And then I credit intermittent fasting, you know, once I got back to a point where I could safely go back to the gym, because I had to go through a series of surgeries and procedures, and to gain back 15 pounds of healthy weight, you know, not just gain back fat. When I got back to a point in time when I was able to get back in the gym, and I could fast successfully again, I was able to do so and put on 10 pounds of muscle. And so I do credit intermittent fasting, you know, for all the boogeymen that are out there that like to say, there's no way you can build lean muscle and fast, that's a bunch of BS. And so I credit intermittent fasting on the other side for continuing to allow me to thrive in middle age and serve as an example for people that you can be a healthy fit 40 something and you don't have to eat snacks and mini meals and buy this garbage mentality of a highly processed diet, which is what the bulk of the standard American diet is. If you really focus on protein, healthy fats, giving yourself plenty of digestive rest, get plenty of sleep. It really is possible to harness lots and lots of benefits from fasting, irrespective of your age. So that's in a nutshell, kind of my my journey in 2019. And I'm I'm grateful that it's now two years behind me. And I'm now back to being able to eat vegetables, which I wasn't able to do for a long period of time. But you know, just acknowledging sometimes at different stages in our lives, we have to eat and adjust what we consume just based on what our body can tolerate.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and you and I both love fasting. We see it as such a powerful tool. We both utilize it and teach it, but with all tools, it's important to use that tool the right way. Uh, Just like a chainsaw could get the job done and get you amazing results with that tool. A chainsaw could hurt you and do some damage if you don't know how to use that tool. So I want to focus the topic, at least in the beginning here, on mistakes you see with fasting. What are the top mistakes that you see out there with people who come to fasting and make some blunders with it?
1: Yeah, I would say, and we were talking about this before we started, um, A number one is the mindset. There are people who come to fasting because they want weight loss and they focus just on the weight loss and if they don't get instantaneous results there's something wrong they're doing something wrong you know it's the scarcity mindset you know i always say you know, when want to focus on things beyond the scale victories you know non-scale victories so i think first is a mindset shift that you really have to trust the process recognize it may not be instantaneous you know if you look at study data on men and women men typically lose weight faster than women do with intermittent fasting, but over the course of this specific time span, and the study I'm thinking of in particular was 12 weeks, women caught up, but it took a little longer. You know, there's Mm. there's a lot more hormonal flux with women, especially women prior to going through menopause. So I think, you know, the one that I think of most is the fixation on weight, Mm -hmm. which is a byproduct of the way that we have been conditioned to believe in society, that weight loss should be fast and quick and painless. And we take a pill or a potion of powder and it's gonna happen instantaneously. And then what they don't mention is, oh, by the way, that weight's gonna come back and then some, you know, the yo-yo dieting, which is what a lot of people deal with. So that's
0: number one. So what are are some non-scale victories before we go on to number two?
1: Yeah, I would say digestion. Like people just say, I have less bloating. I wake up with a flat stomach and for any woman out there, like a flat stomach is like just, you you just feel like you're a rock star.
0: And men, and men, Cynthia.
1: (laughs) I would say that's number one. Oftentimes people sleep better. They have more consistent energy. They just feel like they make better food choices because they're not trying to cram a bunch of calories in. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, And I don't like to think of food as calories and I don't buy into that mindset of calories in, calories out. but. You know, they're, they're much more conscientious about how they choose to break their fast, how they choose to fuel their body during their feeding window. I would say, you know, the other thing is the mental clarity piece. I mean, we know that when you finally become fat adapted and you get this production of BHB or beta-hydroxybutyrate and that diffuses across the blood-brain barrier and gives us so much mental clarity and our insulin levels are low, people feel like they are completely invincible because they can power through their morning with their coffee, Or their tea or just their water, and they don't have to worry about that first meal of the day. They can worry about it later. I would say the other piece is for many people, they start sleeping better. You know, they're not dealing with indigestion before bed. Because I really do encourage people to kind of follow a a degree of chronobiology, meaning Hmm. that you really want to stop eating three to four hours before bed. I feel best when I finish my meal by five or six o'clock. Me too. A lot of people laugh. (laughs) Um, In my house, I have teenagers, sometimes they're eating dinner at seven, but I still will sit down with them. We will still talk about their day, but they know that mom might eat earlier. And so we just kind of talk about why that's so important. But I personally, as well as many of my clients, feel a whole lot better when they don't go to bed with a full stomach. I mean, there's no worse feeling than lying down and feeling like everything in your stomach is just backing up into your lungs. You're like, Mm yeah, that's not a great feeling. But those are usually the most common things that people will site or remark to. I mean, those are certainly m- probably my top three, you know, the non-scale victories. And then the other piece of it is it's the satisfaction and knowing that you don't have to eat as frequently as you were taught that you need to. What a relief. Yeah, it's like I don't have to worry about eating breakfast. I don't have to worry about bringing snacks everywhere I go. I mean, I, I just think back to when, you know, I was really in my heyday of, you know, either as an ER nurse or, you know, I was working as an MP in cardiology. And when I was in my hospital days, I would walk around with like protein bars in my jacket because sometimes I couldn't get to eating. And I remember thinking like I would like slink off like, oh my gosh, what's gonna happen to me if I miss lunch? And now I think about it, I'm like, if I miss lunch, no big deal. My body has plenty, plenty of fuel to work within. So I think it's also the realization that this really harkens back to ancestral health patterns. This is way our bodies are really designed to thrive They are not designed to be fed constantly. We are really designed to eat, you know, one, two, or three, depending on, you know, your feeding window and the person that you are, how high your basal metabolic rate is. You're really not meant to eat all that frequently. And there's all these really cool things that happen in the body when you're not eating. And I I think far too many people are fearful. You know, they're they're anxious. They get concerned, they get scared, they get frightened about what that process of not eating is going to feel like. And when they realize how good they feel, they're like, heck, why didn't I do this earlier? Like, what Mm -hmm. were they so fearful of?
0: Yeah, I know. When I discovered the benefits of it, I fell in love with it. Too much to the point where I did too much fasting, which I'm sure you're going to talk about. But yeah, totally. Those are so important to become aware of when you're doing fasting. The weight will come off for sure. As your body heals, as you get healthy, but pay attention to those non-scale victories. What a relief to be able to go throughout your day and have peak energy, mental clarity, and not have to rely, oh my gosh, I need to go get that protein bar or that yogurt or that shake or that meal, your body's getting food from your body fat store. So there's numerous benefits to that. For me personally, when I'm flying on an airplane, if it's a longer flight, five hours, seven hours, I don't want to eat toxic airplane food. I don't want to eat toxic food at the airport. So I just let my body eat off my body fat and I feel great. And it's actually a great way to deal with the inflammation from the travel to practice fasting. Hey, I want to let you know about an amazing company who offers really impressive foods from nature. I'm referring to wildfoods.co. If you're looking for a one-stop shop for your keto supplements, keto coffee, keto nuts and seeds, and amazing collagen protein powders, you're going to want to check out wildfoods.co. Wild Food specializes in real foods from small producers around the world. They're passionate about their ingredients and they have a powerful story. All their products do not contain artificial sweeteners, no gluten, no soy, no refined sugars, no preservatives, and no fillers. They adhere to ridiculously high standards like myself, which is why I endorse So if you're looking for some keto protein powders, golden milk lattes for some restful nights of sleep, multivitamins for men and women, cacao powders, elderberry capsules for the immune system, wild Himalayan pink salt for your electrolyte balance, and much more, I want you to check out my friends over at wildfoods.co. As a listener of the Keto Camp Podcast, you will receive 20% off your order by using the coupon code KetoCamp at checkout, no space in between KetoCamp, Camp with the K at checkout, get twenty percent off your order. Head to Wildfoods.co, use KetoCamp at checkout, and enjoy their awesome products. So go ahead. Those are numerous benefits. You were getting onto the uh, second mistake people make.
1: Yeah, I would say you know the other one of the, one of the other big ones that I see is that people will either break their fast with something very carbohydrate dense, and then they feel crummy, or they will overeat because they're so hungry, they'll push their fast, you know, way longer than they should have. And this happens a lot with the newbies, a little bit of experimentation, and then they're not hungry for another meal. And Mm -hmm. so I always remind people that, you know, if you feel the desire to like eat everything in sight, sometimes that can be you know, hearkening back to, you know, the amygdala will override the prefrontal cortex in our brains and our our body's thinking, I'm not getting more food, so I need to eat all the things. And I actually had an interesting conversation with Dr. Glenn Livingston about exactly this, like why does that happen with fasting? And he uh, explained, and it completely resonates and makes sense to me, that oftentimes that happens when people like their brain just, you know, literally the lizard brain overrides their, their thinking brain and it's like, get all the food in. So I encourage people, break your fast earlier. If you're that hungry, my gosh, break your fast earlier. Don't go 18 hours. Maybe you do 16. Or maybe you're really new and you don't go to 15 hours. Maybe you stay at 14. It's like slow and steady wins. Or you know really breaking the fast with really poor food choices. That's not the time to load up with a bunch of carbs. I generally encourage people to do something light. Like lately, I've been doing more kind of high quality smoothies with some protein and some healthy fats. And then I'll eat a meal meal, like two or three hours later and that's been working really well for me.
0: What type of protein do you, do you put in your smoothies? What, what protein do you like?
1: Well, I'm dairy free. So I do, I, it's actually my protein powder. It's a bone broth protein. So I kind of alternate between that and a product by Younger, you know, Dr. Younger, which is rice-based protein. Obviously if you're non-dairy, trying to navigate the world of protein powders can be kind of a joke. And so I try to alternate, you know, between bone broth protein with collagen peptides, so that will kind of bump up some of the macros. I'll do the younger product, which generally tends to have a little bit higher carbs, not much. I think it's like 10 grams for the serving. And depending on what day it is, some days it's a higher carb day, sometimes it's a lower carb day. And sometimes I add fats and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'll add low glycemic berries, sometimes I won't. Um, I always use coconut milk because, again, I'm a dairy-free I try to limit my use of nut milks just by virtue of the fact that I I was oxalate intolerant um, Mm. after my healthcare hiccup. And so I try to be really deliberate. If I'm going to have nuts, it's going to be like macadamia nuts that are salted, which I love. I might have them once or twice a week. I just have to be really kind of conscientious because I don't want to get that gut inflammation rolling again. And in my smoothie, I will put things I'm, I'm working. I'm still working on gut health. Two years later, if remember, I got six weeks of antibiotics and antifungals, and my body just got hammered with things that you know definitely disrupted the gut microbiome. So right now, I'm doing a lot of L-glutamine. I'm doing L-carnitine. I'm doing branched amino acids, a few other things in my smoothie, just to kind of get you know kind of topping things off, and then I will have that and move on. But I also enjoy having salad or fermented foods. Like I am a big proponent of fermented vegetables and and that's also something that is light and nourishing with some light protein but i encourage people to really experiment but you don't want to overwhelm your system it's not the time to sit down and polish up mm-hmm. a pizza it's not the time to sit down and you know eat a really carbohydrate dense meal because it's going to spike your insulin response and and what we're trying to do is kind of mitigate that first meal we know obviously it's Carbohydrates and protein are gonna have the largest impact on uh, insulin secretion. Healthy fats are gonna have a more negligible one. There are even some healthy fats that have a very negligible amount, you know, like MCT oil. But you know, with that being said, one of the other problems I see is that people either go way too long to break their fast or they break it with the wrong foods. I would say third, women that are still getting their periods really have to be cognizant of when they're getting ready to have their menstrual cycle and so three weeks out of the month, I don't really, well, I, I, of course I do care, but um, I always say, you know, kind of all bets are off. You can try different strategies, you know, the first three weeks of your cycle, but when you get, you know, five to seven days preceding your cycle, you really want to limit fasting. You do like a 12 or a 13 hour digestive rest, time restricted eating concept, you know, really being cognizant of the quality of your macronutrients, you know, a little higher carbs, a little more insulin sensitivity. And I would say one of the other things that I see is that women oftentimes are constantly comparing themselves to men. Mm. I like to remind them that menopausal women and men know they are not the same gender, but their hormones are a little less fluctuating, and so menopausal women and men generally have an easier time with fasting than cycling women, and certainly women south of 35 when they're at peak fertility years have to be a little bit more careful. So if they're very athletic. I actually have a woman in one of my programs right now and we had to have a sidebar discussion. And I said, the days you're training, I do not want you fasting.
0: Mm.
1: I just don't want you fasting. But, and then you're in this nebulous period of like 35 to 45 when women are in perimenopause. And it's a very special time because some people tolerate fasting and other people don't. So I kind of remind people that depending on where women are in their lifetime, fasting can either be easier or harder little more complicated a little more nuanced they have to you know be kind of fluid in terms of their schedule and their macros so those are typically you know some of the more common things i see the other thing that i really think is critically important irrespective of gender is the sleep piece and mm. i tell people all the time if you cannot sleep through the night please do not add in intermittent fasting and people this triggers people in very unpleasant ways on social media but I have to remind them like Sleep is foundational to our health. If you cannot sleep through the night, please do not add another stressor to your body. And this usually is in the context of the person who is desperate to lose weight, doesn't give a fig that they're not sleeping, wants to overexercise, over-restricts their calories, and like your body is under so much stress. It's saying, I am in a famine. I am not going to get rid of one pound. I'm hanging on to everything I can. And so that's always in the context that we have to be kinder to our bodies it is really really important that we are cognizant of the impact of all those lifestyle choices on how our body perceives this additional hormetic stress and i'm sure that you probably talk a lot about this you know not only yourself but with your guests but hormetic stressors there's a very fine balance between too little and too much you know we need some stress in our lives because that keeps us resilient but too much is going to be problematic and too little makes us too comfortable and too comfortable makes us fat, tired, and lazy. And Mm I use those terms. I'm just saying we don't want to be too comfortable. We want to make sure that we move our bodies, that we don't eat too often, that we get good quality sleep, we manage stress, really critically important. So that balance is obviously different for each one of us, but the not sleeping piece is a non-negotiable. And in fact, that oftentimes is like one of those things where I'll say to people, I just think your body's telling you right now it is not the time to fast. And if you're doing really well with sleeping and all of a sudden you start fasting and you think you're a rock star and you're doing it for weeks and all of a sudden your sleep is terrible and you're waking up in the middle of the night and you're hungry, I'm like, okay, let's back it up. Let's look at, you know, what did you eat for dinner? What did you have for lunch? are you over exercising if we can't get the sleep dialed in then you need to stop because your body's saying hey time out this is not working for me so really being attuned to your body is a really critical piece to success and oftentimes when people are trying to push an outcome it goes back to that first thing that we talked about when people are trying to push an outcome whether it's weight loss etc you know their best friend husband significant other fast and they fast like easily and effortlessly Fasting doesn't necessarily work for every single person. Perhaps at certain times in their lives it can, but it may not work for every person throughout their lifetime. They may have to have times in their lives when they need to take a break.
0: Well said. And the, the overall theme here is that fasting is like a muscle. You want to build that muscle up. And then you want to train it differently than somebody else would train their muscles. And you always want to mix up how you train the muscle, right? I know you're a big fan of changing the schedule up, especially for somebody who has stalled. So explain a little bit more about that. Why do you love the variation of changing up the schedule with your fast? So
1: once you become fat-adapted, when you get to a point where your body is happy with fasting, you're using fats predominantly as the predominant fuel source, much like I don't encourage everyone to do the same exercise every day, eat the same foods every day. We want to vary our fasting schedule and largely because our bodies get comfortable. Remember, we go back to the comfort thing. We don't want to get too comfortable. And so it's not to suggest that every day is going to be completely different than the day before, but it could be Monday you do 18 hours. Maybe on Tuesday you do a 24-hour fast. Maybe Wednesday is a day that you Open up your your feeding window, and you're doing a 12 hour feeding window. Maybe you're having three meals instead of two, and you're bumping up your protein. Um, That's usually one of my favorite things to do. Hmm. And then maybe on Thursday it's 20 hours. I think it's really critically important that we have some variety to our fasting schedule. Like I will give you an example. Yesterday I broke my fast around 11, had a shake, then had a very big lunch, and at 5 o'clock in the afternoon I was like, I'm not hungry, so I shut my feeding window down i think i had lunch at like three and fasted until nine thirty this morning and that's just some variety i think you you need to really listen to your bodies and, and for me i ate a very large lunch i had lots of protein lots of healthy fats and i was completely comfortable saying i'm not going to eat again until tomorrow morning so I, I think that part of it's being attuned to your body there are going to be some days you need to break your fast earlier your body will let you know I know oftentimes women, as they're getting close to their menstrual cycle, will say, I just don't have the stamina. I just can't push it till 14, 15, 16 hours. I'm like, then don't. Mm -hmm. That's the beauty of fasting is it's totally flexible. And so I always encourage people to consider, and and not everyone needs to do really long fasts. I know um, I'm part of a lot of Facebook groups, and there are people that are doing 72-hour fasts. And I always want to think about what are your goals, Because if you're already lean, I'm not sure how much benefit you're going to get from doing really protracted long fasts. And that has a lot to do with the fact you get to a point where you you don't want to be losing muscle. Yes, you get this boost in human growth hormone when you fast, and that's critically important. But I think when you're already very lean, you have to be careful. It's a very delicate balance. If you someone that's got 30 pounds to lose, I think it's completely fine. I think it's really always in the context. What are your goals? What are your needs? What's your metabolic flexibility? If you're someone that's really struggling to get to 24 hours, you don't win an award if you make yourself miserable in the process, right? I think that's really critical. I was asked yesterday, what's the longest fast I ever did? And the joke was, do you want to know about voluntary or involuntary? (laughs) So they thought that was humorous. And I explained to them, well, when I was in the hospital for 13 days, I didn't eat for a week. Hmm. Not because I didn't want to eat. Well, I didn't feel good. I didn't want to eat. But I, that was the longest I'd ever gone without eating. And let me assure you, um, it's awful. It was pretty horrific drains and lines and all sorts of stuff. But the longest fast I've done has been about three and a half days. And by three and a half days, my body was like, okay, we're done. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's really critically important that we, once we're fat adapted, that we have some variety. But if you don't feel like doing a long fast, that is okay. You know, I know that there's a lot of fasting mimicking diet, there's a lot of, Different you know, protein sparing diets, there's so many different kinds of options. I encourage people to try things out, experiment what works for you. I know this is something you teach with your own clients and within Keto Camp um, Academy that you know, a lot of this process, this journey in life is just trying new things out. And I encourage everyone to be open-minded. Like, isn't that really the crux of everything? Is that we want to remain open-minded to evolve shift and change throughout our lifetimes and if we lose sight of that that's you know then we get stagnant and that's kind of boring
0: well said uh, i always say create or disintegrate nothing in the universe is the same you know everything is moving even this glass bottle i'm holding right here it's vibrating at, at you know at a, an accelerated rate we just can't see it everything is moving so i love that i love that you talk about fasting as a muscle and how we want to break out of the comfort zone whether it's fasting or just in our everyday living we want to make sure that we're breaking out of that so many people are in this mental prison. They put themselves in a mental prison, but they're not aware of it. And you cannot escape a prison if you don't know you're in one. So having conversations like this, I think it's going to really turn on some light bulbs for the keto campers and think, "Oh yeah, you know, I've been pushing 18 hours just because I thought there's a lot of benefits to it, which there are, but if it's not working for you right now, then there's no need to go the 18 hours. If you if you decide to go 18, but you don't feel good at 14 or you feel really hungry, you just feel off and you break it at 14." That's not a failure, that's a success. There's no such thing as a failed fast. You retry, you analyze different parts of your schedule, maybe your sleep, like Cynthia spoke about, and then you go for 15 and and build from there. So I love that, Cynthia. I know that we're on the same page for many of the things we speak about. I wanna take a quick break here to share with you about the dangers of taking fish oil. I know, shocking. I was somebody who took fish oil every single day for years. And then I came across a ton of research showing the dangers of consuming fish oil. I immediately found an amazing product called Pureform. Pureform is a plant-based omega. And the cool thing about Pureform is that it is uniquely processed with nitrogen to preserve it and make sure it does not oxidize. These essential fatty acids are cold pressed and you get the proper balance to apply a $4 off coupon. That is Ben, B-E-N, and the number four. International shipping is available. Okay, let's go back into this episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. Uh, Let's transition into what breaks a fast. This is a question we get a lot on Clubhouse. What are some of the things, liquids, that break a fast, Cynthia? Mm,
1: Well, uh, I'm a proponent of clean fasting. and, And just really so that people understand Yes, there could be a lab rat that consumes a certain type of sugar, but that doesn't mean that there's not evoked a cephalic phase insulin response in our mouths when we consume sweet things. So I like to think about sugar sweeteners. I like to think about natural flavors in sodas, even if there's zero calories. I think about, and I know this will trigger people, I think if you're trying to lose weight, the concept of consuming fatty coffees is not a good idea. I know that there are, there are different fasting experts who feel differently about this. And if someone needs to do that for a week or two when they're new to fasting because that's what allows them to get through it, that's fine. But if you're doing fasting for a long period of time and every morning you get up and have a fatty coffee, you are consuming fat instead of allowing your body to burn fat. And so I, I just think that that's the wrong kind of philosophy because there's so many tricks to make things less bitter to our, our palate. And so I think about sugars, I think about creamers, I think about copious amounts of fat. So that could be butter, that could be, you know, a lot of MCT oil. It could be coconut oil. It could be grass-fed butter, ghee. I mean, sometimes people when they tell me what they put in their fatty coffees, I'm like, I wouldn't eat all day if I had that much fat. I mean, and that's probably because I'm I'm a woman.
0: You just—you're just, you're just a coffee hater, Cynthia.
1: I am. I'm. I'm not a coffee <laughs> lover, but you know, I will be. Like, I champion. Like, there's so many health benefits from coffee and even bitter teas. And I probably should do a photo of me one day drinking green tea because I drink it with a straw. I brew it. <laughs> I let it cool. I put a. I put a silicone straw on it and I suck it down. And my husband's always like, "You are the strangest person." I'm like, "There's too many health benefits. I have to do it." I the taste, and I don't even try to mask the taste. I just suck it down. So, you know, when we're thinking about what breaks a fast and you're asking for liquids, I think the most common things are the, the fatty coffees, the sugary beverages that people are like, oh, it's Stevia, but according to this RAT study or this mucine study, there's no insulin response in relation to Stevia. And I'm like, well, that's great, but you have something called cephalic phase insulin response. And if I think about wonderful desserts that my grandmother and mother make, my mouth waters what do you think that is that's a cephalic phase response my body is getting primed for food so just you know just from a physiological perspective i think that's really important a lot of questions i get are about like what supplements break a fast and i always think you know branched chain amino acids Mm -hmm. pre-workouts whether they've got sweeteners or not in them a lot of these electrolyte drinks like not just like a powder but like the drinks that these electrolyte, especially like gatorade and powerade and why anyone want to drink any of those things like <laughs>
0: right yeah
1: i think about obviously alcohol like someone asked me today can i have a glass of wine while i'm fasting i'm like well you're not really fasting anymore mm-hmm. but sure I think about uh, fat-soluble vitamins. So I think about vitamin A, vitamin D, E and K, which really should be taken with food. Right. Those are the most common questions I will get. And my standard response is when in doubt, leave it out. Like Mm. if you go that route, you're generally going to do much, much better. But I also, you know, people, the nuances, like people want to have lemon in their water. They want to have fruit in their water. They want to have herbs in their water. And so things like ginger are fine thyme oregano like technically they can sometimes potentiate autophagy you know the waste and recycling process in the body I don't know a lot of people like I sometimes will cut up ginger and put it in my tea just to kind of add to it but ginger is not that's an herb it's not going to break your break your fast technically but it's very very interesting to me how complicated this can be for a lot of people like they they don't want the nuances they still want to squeeze lemon in their water and I'm like well technically there's fructose in that piece of and technically limes and lemons are fruit technically that's going to break your fast I had someone who was like but what if I cut the lemon and I lay it really thin on the top of my water and I'm like what would you like me to tell you
0: <laughs> they just want you to give them the the answer they want to hear
1: they want the validation yeah those are typically the more common. I'm curious, are, what are some of the things you get asked about? I'm sure there are, like, there's always these crazy nuanced questions. And I, and I always tell people, like, I just want you to learn how to clean fast. And then you can decide for yourself. And if you're stuck and you aren't getting results, then you need to look at some of your habits to see yeah. what needs to be cleaned up.
0: Yeah, I get a lot of those same questions that you shared already. My answer is always the same. I always say, first of all, if you want to get the most benefits from your fast... Than just have water and have some sea salt, maybe some electrolytes and minerals without any artificial sweeteners. That's not gonna push the body in any direction. You're gonna let the innate intelligence do its job. But if you want to keep fasting and have something to kind of support it, there are crutches, and those crutches could be a fatty coffee, it could be some lemon water, it could be some of the things that you mentioned. So I also agree that tea, like green tea, is typically safe. If it's like a clean black coffee and you're testing glucose before and 30 minutes after there's no response, that could be okay. But once you do incorporate some of the fats in there, although I'm a big fan of it, I personally have it, it does technically break that traditional water fast, and it will slow down your fat-burning results, which is a lot of people have that goal to lose weight. But if you're using a fatty coffee to replace like a high-sugar breakfast, that's a great switch, great swap. And you do that in the beginning, like you said, as a crutch, and then eventually you want to just get rid of the fat and just have the coffee black, you'll get more results. So, yeah, I've had questions about gum and, of course, sucralose and aspartame, and you're so right about the cephalic uh, response of insulin because, for example, whenever I used to do my um, – a few years ago, I used to always do the cortisol saliva test. And I used to have to spit in the tube. And I used to always have trouble filling up that damn tube. So I used to, that at that time, I was having peanut butter, not anymore. But I would go and I would just open up the peanut, bar, peanut butter jar, smell it. And then all of a sudden, I got enough saliva to do that. And it's exactly the
1: thing. And yeah. people realize that. I think another thing that's really been popularized by Dave Asprey, and I love Dave. I know we all love Dave. Yeah. Dave talks a lot about resistant starch. And so when his book came out, and you know I had an interview with him, and then it started with like, 159,000 questions about resistant starch and can we put that in our coffee and what will that do and I was like I'm all for feeding the good bacteria like let me be clear I'm all for if you tolerate resistant starch and you can tolerate even an eighth of a teaspoon awesome but do I think I want people using that during a fasting period no I, I generally don't recommend that as a practice do I think it's fine during a feeding window yes And so this is one of those subtleties, because I'm sure it will come up, if not like immediately now, it will come up after the fact. And so I just remind people, I'm like, we have to meet people where they are. Mm -hmm. And if someone's coming from being a couch potato, eating a standard American diet, and they want to do better, I'm all for helping them create strategies that are sustainable with the understanding that, At some point we gotta rip off that Mm band-aid you know we gotta the fatty coffees the resistance star i mean so that they feel full um and dave made a really good point and and it actually warmed my heart a little bit onto this concept meaning when dave said you know when i was 300 pounds there's no way i could have gone from eating the way i was and then like fasting for 18 hours and i was like dave you bring up such a good point And I think for so many of us, we forget how hard it is to take that first step towards connecting change that I want everyone listening to understand that wherever you are in your journey, we will find strategies to help you make that transition. But from the context of clean fasting, you know, as I always say, like the ivory tower, like years ago when I was in graduate school and we used to like look at our professors and we'd get so irritated with them. We're like, you're in the ivory tower. You're not in real life. But in real life, we have to acknowledge that sometimes we have to bend the rules a little bit so that people will get to a place where they're making better decisions and they don't feel like they're so deprived. And so if you're doing that as a transitional period, I think it's fine. But at some point, you got to rip the bandaid off. And that's the reality of the situation.
0: Yeah, well said. Take off the training wheels eventually. But they're a great crutch in the beginning. You got to meet the person where they're at. If you're anything like me, you probably spend some money each month on your supplements. But what if you're still tired and you just don't feel 100% well? Well, there could be a deficiency. What if there was a way to know if you were actually absorbing your supplementation or not absorbing and maybe you're taking too much of something? Well, what I'm bringing you today is a chance to accurately test all of that. In this case, I'm talking about upgraded formulas, upgraded hair test kit and consultation and Once you uncover these hidden deficiencies, you could get rid of these symptoms you might be experiencing that might be affecting your thyroid, adrenals, or much more. Upgraded Formulas is a very cool company. I interviewed Barton Scott, who is the founder and chemical engineer who helps craft all their supplements, and they have this really cool upgraded mineral deficiency analysis. So Say goodbye to blood and urine tests, which typically indicate short-term results. Hair is the best identifier, and you could get that hair from your head, armpit area, or even pubic area, and you'll receive a consultation with a member of Upgraded Formulas to help discuss your results. And it's very simple: collect your hair sample, send it in, and get your results fast. We've worked out an exclusive deal, KetoCamp Podcast listeners, to receive 10% off your order. Head to upgradedformulas.com, use the coupon code BEN10 at checkout to get your hair mineral kit and any other supplements that you could find on their website. That is upgradedformulas.com. Use the coupon code BEN10. Uh, Next question I have for you is this, and let's finish with something we spoke about on Clubhouse on uh, last Monday, which was biohacking devices. I know we're going to do a Clubhouse stream about that, but what are some of your favorite devices that you use to really biohack your health and get some feedback?
1: Yeah, I would say uh, starting number one with a continuous glucose monitor. And I recognize that that can sometimes be an ex- expensive. If you're if you're not pre diabetic or diabetic, sometimes your your insurance carrier or your healthcare provider will not write for one. There's always workarounds to that. I always say, don't go out to dinner twice a month, and you know that will pay for yeah. your CGM
0: or practice fasting in the morning. Right.
1: Right. Exactly. So you're you're buying less food unless you live with teenage boys. Like <laughs> that's a whole separate that's a whole separate problem. I think having a continuous glucose monitor is by far the most valuable. Investment I made in my health in the last six months. I actually had to take a break because I had done it straight for three months, and I was getting to the point where I was constantly scanning and scanning and scanning. But what it can show is even in metabolically flexible people, there might be foods you're eating you don't feel bad. You're not getting sweats. You're not Mm -hmm. shaky. You're not anxious. You don't feel bad, and your blood sugar goes way too high. Like
0: like plantains.
1: Plantains. I love (laughs) plantains. I was so sad. And then I kept, like, I tried them, like, five different ways, and every time my blood sugar went to 160. Crazy. Yeah, and for anyone who's watching, like, you don't want it above 140, and really you don't want a blood sugar spike of greater than 30 when you eat a meal. Yeah. And and so, like, the higher the spike, oftentimes the, you know, the greater the response, and that's not necessarily a good thing. So for me, it was very valuable to kind of rule out foods, of which thankfully there weren't many, foods that I should not be eating and kind of validated some of the practices I, or some of the food choices I was making. So I think a continuous glucose monitor is a great first step. If you're, if it's not in your budget, you know, doing a glucometer, checking your blood sugar before you eat. Um, you know, I think that there's value in knowing like where this point at which you're, you're feeling like I'm hungry. Let's see what your blood sugar is. Your blood sugar normal between you know like 80 and 95. Great. If your blood sugar is 110, you don't need to eat.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You don't. Um, you can fast a little bit longer or you can go for a walk. Like I always say, yeah. go for a five, 10 minute walk. That'll bring that should help bring your blood sugar down.
0: Great tip. That's a great tip.
1: Yeah. Um, I would say the other thing is sleep. I'm telling you, biohacking, like sleep is the greatest biohack ever because it can help with blood sugar, helps, you know, with leptin and ghrelin. it helps with, you know, growth hormone, um, uh, helps with the lymphatic system in the brain. So getting, you know, seven to eight hours a night of high quality sleep, super important. Cold dark room, off of electronics, wearing blue blockers, et cetera. I also wear a super sexy silk eye mask now. I always tell nice them, did you ever think? <laughs> <laughs> Blue lockers, silk mask? this is like...
0: <laughs> Do you mouth tape at all at night? Have you experienced with that?
1: The, the, my silk eye mask I wear all night long because I'm really sensitive to light. I think it's the middle-aged woman's, like, it, it's just totally not fair that all of a sudden I'm like light sensitive. I used to just fall asleep and then I would wake up and it was like nothing happened in between. I would just effortlessly sleep and when I hit perimenopause, it was like, nope, that doesn't matter. Mm. Now it's like planes,
0: trains, automobiles, doing all the
1: things. Um,
0: no, what, what what I was saying was um, mouth taping. Do you do you, do? You, have you ever done that?
1: I have not because I'm actually not a mouth breather. That's good enough. Yeah, I think yeah. that's really been helpful. And I had a whole discussion with my dentist and. She was saying, you know, usually she can see the shape of someone's mouth and whether or not they're obligate mouth breathers. I do have one of those devices to, like, tape my mouth shut. I probably should try just to see what it does. Um, but I also don't snore. I'm just kind of like one of those weird
0: people. That's good. Your, your husband's happy about that.
1: Well, he, but he snores sometimes. Uh, <laughs> bananas. I'm like, he, needs,
0: he needs some mouth tape. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm, gonna,
1: I'm gonna, In fact, I'm going to give him this little device. There you go. My biohacking <laughs> box. I would say the next thing that I'm loving is the Apollo Neuro. Are you familiar with it? No. I wear it on my ankle, but you can wear it on your wrist. And so um, it actually like vibrates. And so it sounds like it wouldn't do much of anything, but it was designed for people that have PTSD. So tapping or cognitive behavioral mm. therapy, it's just very gentle tapping. And so you would think like, how, what does that do? Well, one of the best markers of metabolic flexibility is like heart rate variability. And so we want to have heart rate variability. We want to try to keep ourselves more in a parasympathetic rest and repose state as opposed to a sympathetic, like we're being chased by a saber-toothed tiger state. And it's not like we're always we're in one, in one or the other. It's this like kind of nuances back and forth. And so in the past 13, 14 months, I think most people have been more like, I'm being chased by a saber-tooth tiger. There's a lot of yep. stuff going on. So there's all these different programs. Like I said, I wear it on my ankle, but I sometimes remind myself it looks like I have a home monitoring device on parole. That's
0: what I thought of when you said you put it on your ankle. First thing I thought of.
1: But I was pointing it out the other day. I was like, this is not a home monitoring device. My (laughs) Apollo Neuro. And people were like, yeah, sure.
0: (laughs) What did Cynthia do?
1: (laughs) No, but what's really cool is like I wear it during the day and it can be stimulating. It can be like I wear, I will turn it on before I go to sleep. It's really very relaxing and it's very gentle. And so, the feeling is you wear it for 30 days and then you kind of map out your heart rate variability. And so being a gigantic dork that I am, I'm mapping out my heart rate variability, which even after four days. Of wearing it, I'm noticing it's the the trends are like improving already, and my sleep quality has been
0: better. And so, what's your average your average heart rate variability?
1: It's in like the 80 to 90 range. That's pretty good. Yeah, which is pretty good. And so, I'd like to see it a little higher. Like I know some, some people say 60 to 120, but you know, like 80 to 120 is better. I don't know what have you read.
0: Well, there's a genetic component to it, but I think what's important is finding what your baseline is and then continuously improving that. So my fiance, Natasha, get this, her heart rate variability is 180, 190 every night. And she's not a professional athlete. She's not somebody like that, which is typically found in those individuals, but she has a genetic component to it. And if she has a poor night of heart rate variability, it drops like 140. I would die for, I would love a 140. So for me... I get around 62, 70, 75. The goal is to get more 70s and 80s. So I think, like you said, it's just a matter of improving your baseline.
1: Yeah, well, and it's interesting to me, you know, with my background in cardiology, initially I was like, what is this? You know, what is this marker? And so the more I learned about it, I was like, oh, it's, you know, heart coherence and, you know, really kind of balancing the autonomic nervous system. And so the Apollo Neuro is like my... My super cool, fun thing right now that I'm really enjoying. Cool. Um, I would say there are other devices like the Lumen, which is looking at, you know, metabolic flexibility. And I absolutely love the Lumen people, but I've had really bad luck. Like my lumens keep dying. It isn't happening to anyone else, but mine keep dying. And it's like we've had the, outlet looked at i've been putting it on the same surge protector as my computer wow so i I think there's something wrong with me user error yeah well now but it's so easy to use that's it's and it's like they're like did you drop it did you put it in water i'm like no (laughs) interesting Um, but i think the lumen is a really great hack and for a lot of people that are trying to figure out like, am I predominantly carb burning versus fat burning? Really super helpful for that. We wanna be flexible. We don't want it to be like rigid and it'll give you an approximation of how many fats and carbs you need each day or protein. And so for a lot of my clients, they found that super, super helpful. I would say that's another one. I don't have an aura ring because I actually, if you see, I'm married, but when I'm home, I don't like to wear things on my fingers. And I only wear a watch and just earrings because I feel like I wash my, I think it's from years of working in healthcare. I wash my hands uh, so much that I just don't like having extraneous stuff on unless I'm going out. But those are like several things that people can do. But, you know, if but nothing else, glucometers are very affordable. It's usually the strips that get expensive. You can tape your mouth shut. There's a really great book. I don't know. Have you interviewed um, James Nestor yet? No. He's like on my like wish list of people that I hope to eventually interview. But his book, Breathe, was incredible. Mm. It's like I've never thought about breathing as much as I have since reading that book. But really thinking about the ways that technology can be beneficial, like we turn off our Wi-Fi at night. I just think it's really like I, I think about just getting sunlight exposure is a great biohack. You know, first thing in the morning, 10 to 15 minutes without sunglasses. So you don't necessarily have to buy a lot of expensive technology. Right now I would say the Apollo Neuro is definitely worth it, but you don't have to buy a lot of expensive technology. There are things like little things you can do, like blue blocking glasses. You can buy inexpensive ones on Amazon for like 10 bucks to see how they work for you before you invest in something else. But I do think that there's value in some of the technology that we can use, like the heart rate, there's heart math. I mean, there's heart rate variability apps that you can put on your phone that are either very inexpensive or free. And so I think there's a lot of different ways to hack your biology and, you know, get useful information to really see how well you're doing. And then obviously fasting is another one that doesn't cost anything, but can be really incredibly valuable.
0: That's awesome, Cynthia. What do you want to share with the audience. I know you have a new book that's coming out. You do fasting master classes. So share where they can learn more about your work.
1: Thank you. So Everyday Wellness is my podcast that Ben has been on twice. I've been able to interview, just like Ben, a lot of amazing health and wellness experts. I'm all over social media, predominantly on Instagram and Twitter. And I've got a I've got a free Facebook group called Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle Backslash My Name. And yes, I'm in the midst of finishing up an intermittent fasting book for women that will be published by Penguin Random House, hopefully early 2022. And so I'm super excited to have the opportunity to offer up what I believe is the first book really dedicated to women and fasting. And obviously, we we love our the male gender as well, but women are a little more complicated. And so a lot of those nuances are really, really important. And and so I'm really writing it as a passion project to all the women out there that have inspired me.
0: It's going to be an amazing book. I can't wait to read it and bring you back on the show and go follow her on, on YouTube as well. Cynthia Thurlow on YouTube. She's putting out great content. So we'll put all of your information and links and resources down below. We have Rachel who puts that all together. I wanna acknowledge you, Cynthia, for being an amazing force to be reckoned with. Uh, You are showing up so consistently. I love the work that you produce. I love the people that you help, the passion that you bring. I always enjoy our conversations every Monday that we have on Clubhouse, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time if you want to join Cynthia and us on Clubhouse, at the Benazadi, at Cynthia Thurlow. And I'm honored to share the stage with you in October at the Las Vegas Keto Expo. And I know that's just the first of many things we're going to do together. So I want to say thank you for today. Thank you for putting out some great material on your Everyday Wellness podcast. And I just appreciate your friendship and your amazing work. Thank you for today.
1: Likewise, my friend.
0: I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Cynthia Thurlow. Me and Cynthia go on Clubhouse every Monday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And guess what? This episode just got released on a Monday, meaning we will be on Clubhouse today for listening to this show on the day of the release. If you're on Clubhouse, go check us out. My Clubhouse handle is at Benazati. And Cynthia's is at Cynthia Thurlow, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time today, which is 2.30 p.m. Pacific Time. We go over a specific topic. And today we're going to be talking about the conversation we had on this podcast. We're going to take it to a deeper level. So if you want to join the conversation, ask us the questions and have some good times with us, head to Clubhouse, get the app on your phone. Look for me, at the Benazotti, at Cynthia therlow and we can't wait to have that conversation with you. Go check out Cynthia therlow Go get her podcast downloaded on your phone. It's the Everyday Wellness Podcast. I was blessed to be a guest on her show a couple of times. She's also in the process of writing a new book, so stay tuned for that. Go to her website, CynthiaTherlow.com, Check her out on her social media platforms. She's doing incredible work out there into the world. Just a reminder that we are a few days away from our Keto and Fasting Masterclass, which is 100% free, and you can get registered by going to ketosismasterclass.com. If you have not left the show a rating or a review yet on Apple Podcasts, please do so today. It'll really help the show grow and get into the hands of more people. Text this episode to a friend, somebody you know, post it on social media. Let's get the word out and change more lives. Thank you so much for listening to the entire episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. I'll see you on the next one. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice.